And so it is with great honor and great appreciation and great privilege that I present to you now Bishop James E. Swanson, Sr. Well, good morning. Let's try that again. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Oh, that's much better, much better. Uh, thank you, Vicki, um, for the uh, uh, introduction. Um, I will say to you that I, I am a little leery from time to time when Vicki uh, presents me because I do not know what she's going to say. Um, when I, when I, yeah, you did real good. No, you, you were nice. You were nice this time. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, when I first arrived in Mississippi, uh, the superintendents were, were instructed that they were to go with me whenever I arrived in their district to preach, and that they were to, uh, to what we call present the bishop. Um, um, and we gave, I gave them a sort of a bio, uh, and after about, I guess, eight or nine months of that, John Hugh, I, I said to them, look, um, you guys know me well enough now that you don't have to read that. Feel free to uh, embellish or just talk about me. Uh, I think I may have to change my mind. <laughs> I want to, first of all, greet you uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of my life and the very captain of my salvation, and to bring greetings uh, from the over 1,000 United Methodist churches that make up um, the United Methodist um, congregations or the United Methodist Annual Conference uh, in the state of Mississippi. Uh, many times when I do this um, uh, in various places, not only in, in new congregations, but in more established congregations, people are very surprised to know that there are over 1,000 United Methodist churches in the state of Mississippi. Anytime you see a cross in flame, uh, anywhere in the state of Mississippi. Those are your sisters and brothers worshiping in those congregations, and they see you uh, as their sister and brother as well. And I just want you to know that that's your kinship. But not only are you a part of those congregations, but you also are part of about 35,000 United Methodist churches throughout uh, the United States. And then you are a part of United Methodist congregations in Europe, um, in Africa, in the Philippines, and now a very growing United Methodist presence uh, in Southeast Asia, and also even in Mongolia now, where we have growing house churches who are experiencing the same kind of growing pains uh, that Bellwether is experiencing Whenever you start a new congregation, um, those are wonderful times. Amen. Amen, y'all. They are. But they are challenges. Um, and, and to know uh, that your sisters and brothers who may not speak the same language, I'm almost sure, in Mongolia, uh, amen, that you speak here uh, in Jackson, but are going through the same kind of, of experience that you're going through ought to bring you some comfort to know that the Spirit of God that moved in the lives of the women and men of this congregation through the leadership of John Hugh 
but spurred by the power of the Holy Spirit, is also doing that in Mongolia. Uh, and so when you worship as a United Methodist congregation, you need to know there are people all over the world who are having the same experiences that you have. Uh, let me do a, a sort of bishop plug here. I really want to, uh, to commend you for this uh, theme. Was it called Raise More? Is that what? Uh, a very good friend of mine who has now uh, gone on to glory, um, uh, who became a United Methodist bishop, uh, a guy by the name of Marion Edwards, uh, when he was the pastor of St. Luke United Methodist Church uh, in Columbus, Georgia, led that church to become what he called a 50-50 church. Um, it took them about three to five years to move to where you're trying to go to. And that was for every uh, dollar that was collected in that church uh, every dollar that was spent on that church, a dollar was spent outside of the church. Now, you need to know that St. Luke Church, uh, because of that commitment, became one of the great churches of the South Georgia Conference. Uh, the interesting thing that while they were doing that, they built a brand new, almost uh, six or seven million dollar um, uh, family life center. Uh, they added on to an educational facility, child care facility there uh, in, um, in uh, Columbus. Uh, and it's one of the finest child care centers uh, in uh, not only Columbus, but in the state of, of Georgia. At the same time, while they were um, supporting missionaries around the world and intervening in all kinds of situations to bring the spirit of Christ. While they were doing that, they didn't miss a beat. Uh, the monies that they needed uh, uh, to bless their congregation, that continued to be uh, something that continued to happen. In fact, uh, if you talk to them, you will find out uh, that they kind of had this kind of experience that blew them away. Um, there is an episode where the children of Israel got ready to build. Uh, and, and, and God told them as they got ready to build uh, the temple uh, to bring everything they had, you know, their gold and their silver. Uh, ladies, they even gave their earrings. Lord, have mercy. Uh, they gave their rings. They gave everything that they had to try to build this wonderful temple for the, for the Lord. And they kept bringing stuff so much so that finally those who were in charge of building the temple said to the king, tell the people to stop. Because we have more than what we need. Oh, let's give God a hand clap. Come on. Give God a hand clap. <laughs> when you give to God, it will come a time when you will press it down. That's what the scripture says. You will press it down and you'll shake it up and it'll keep running over because when you give beyond yourself, God will bless you so much so that you'll have to give away that which you have. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Oh, bless his holy name. I mean, that's what happens. It, it is the spirit of giving, and that's what St. Luke Church experienced and is still experiencing today. When they begin to understand it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And someone, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. But you mean in this day and time, Bishop, when the economy is so sour? Oh, even more so. Because God is trying to teach us 
not to depend upon ourselves, not to depend upon who's in the White House, who's in the governorship, or who is controlling Wall Street. But our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and who made earth. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Oh, my Lord. God, Jesus Christ. That's sermon number one. I didn't intend to go that far with that. Jesus, Lord, have mercy. But, but I do want to encourage you. Don't get weary in this raise more because I do believe that this is something that God wants to see us do because, you know, the church is so, how many of you, uh, let's be honest about yourself. I, I remember when I was young, amen, and that wasn't too long ago, <laughs> but, but, but when you were young, sometimes one of the greatest criticisms about the church is that sometimes we think the church is all about itself. Don't you be guilty of cultivating that same kind of spirit within Bellwether. Remember your church is young. And what your church becomes 20, 30, 40, and 50 years from now will depend upon the seeds that you sow today. You will determine the DNA of this church and how you live now and the way in which you interact with each other and interact with the Spirit of God will determine what this church will produce in the future. Now, wow, Jesus. <clears throat> From Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, hear this word from the New International Version of the Scriptures. And those of you who are able, I'd ask that you just please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. If you just please stand. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. My Lord, what kind of wardrobe was that? Huh? And what kind of diet? Huh? And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is God's word for us, the very people of God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, I need a safe place. I need a safe place. Uh, when I was in the third grade, um, as I said, not too many years ago, uh, my, my third grade teacher was a lady by the name of Mrs. Orange. Now, don't ask me who my second grade teacher was. I don't remember her name. I know it was a lady. I remember that. Fourth grade, I don't remember who my fourth grade teacher was. But I remember Mrs. Orange. And I remember Mrs. Orange because Mrs. Orange was the one who taught me the power of repeating something over and over again. And she would always say to me, James said, uh, if you can't, uh, always get the lesson just right. If you will practice at least repeating the answer, 
somewhere along the way, it will stick to you or stick with you. I found out later on that the average person needs to hear a new fact at least seven times before it catches on in their mind. Um, one of the things sometimes we are often guilty of in church is we come and we have a, a great time like we had uh, early on with, with, with our um, praise service. Uh, amen. And you know, did you enjoy the praise music? Amen. Uh, uh, let's give our praise. <laughs> but we don't want to come to church and just have a good time. We want to come to church and have a good time that changes us, that transforms our lives. And so what I want you to do is to help me um, by helping ourselves, and that is I want you to repeat this subject after me, if you will. Now, don't get ahead of me, because a lot of times when I go places, folks try to get ahead of me on it. Now, I want you just to repeat the words of the subject after me, and that is, I, I need, need a, a safe, safe place. place. Now, turn to the person seated next to you. And, and, and I have nothing to do with who you sit, you sit next to. Amen. If you sit next to the wrong person, I'm sorry. You're going to have to talk to them today. Now just turn to them. Now, those of you sitting between two people, that's your choice. Who are you going to turn to? I, I, I'm sorry. Amen. Come on, quickly, quickly, because my time, I've already messed it up. Turn to them right quick and look at that person and say to them, say to them, say, neighbor, I need a safe place. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. I, I need a safe place. Now, now listen. Your church is celebrating uh, two things today. Number one, you're celebrating the fact that you have been in this building, am I correct, for one year. Let's give God a hand clap. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's give God a hand Now, why in the world am I asking you to clap about that? Because I think you ought to give God thanks for what God has done. Yes. Because, see, though you were involved in it, uh, the real power and the real impetus behind this blessing of a building was Almighty God. And we need to always point people uh, to God who is the source of all of our blessings. Amen? And we ought to always give God thanks and give God praise. How many of you in here are fathers? Just raise your hand, huh? How many of you in here are fathers? How many times have you seen a young man run a touchdown uh, on the television? And, and someone will run up to him and put a microphone in his face. And what does he say? I thank the Lord for who? Come on, guys. I, I got your back. Who do they say? I thank God for who? Mama. Amen. And, uh, I, I mean, they do it quick, don't they? And they forget all about us. Come on. But when God does something for you, you ought to give God thanks. Because I have discovered the more I thank God and show my appreciation to God, the more God blesses me. Because God knows God can trust me with what it is that God has blessed me with. Because God is a jealous God. God loves praise. Now, y'all may not believe that about God, but God loves praise. God enjoys, the Bible teaches us that God lives in. God inhabits the praises of his people. And if you want God to come down and be with us, you got to praise him. So give him another hand clap. Come on. 
So that's, that's one thing. We're praising him or we're giving thanks today for one year of being in this building. Now, this building is important because it becomes our place here at Bellwether where we can gather and we can strategize, but most of all, we can be blessed as a unit to get instructions as to how we are to encounter the world with the message of Jesus Christ. And so this place merely becomes a launching pad out of which we do encounter the world and fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. And so we do need a place where we can do the work of God. So we're celebrating that. But we're also celebrating this Advent season because we are looking and anticipating uh, this, this day we call Christmas in which we think uh, and we give God thanks rather for the birth of his son Jesus Christ. So we're trying to do both of those and I will tell you you have to do both of them uh, not only out of this place but you have to do it out of a safe place. Now, now listen here in the scriptures, listen, listen, listen to what happened here. John is out in the countryside preaching and he's out there and the Bible says he's preaching a baptism for repentance or forgiveness of sins and then the scripture said the people went out there to be baptized confessing their sins now I done messed everybody up right quick amen because I know that word sin is kind of a taboo word in our society today and I admit it we don't like to hear that word, not only out there, but sometimes we don't even like to hear that word in here. And I believe we don't like to hear that word sin because we misunderstand it. In today's society, most of us hate to be reminded when we've done something wrong. We hate it. We don't want to hear it. And that word sin is so stuck in our mind that we hate to even hear it. Let me help you with it. Can I, can I help you with that? So, so you'll get a little bit more comfortable with it. Because the word sin comes from a Greek word that is pronounced harmatia. And it, and it comes from um, the, the sport of archery. Uh, anybody in here have ever participated in the sport of archery? If you've ever done that, the, the object of, of archery is to hit the bullseye. Amen? Is that right? Uh, it's to hit the bullseye or to get as closely to it as you can. Harmatia means missing the mark, not hitting the bullseye. It, 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 it means not coming up to the standard that has been set for us. And when we say that someone has sinned, all we're literally saying to you is that you haven't been the very best that you ought to be. That's all it means. It means that God has set a standard for you and that you haven't accomplished or been all that God wanted you to be. And see, most of us hear this word sin as a condemning thing. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? But really what it is saying to you is that you haven't been the very best that you can be. Which means then, if God is willing to say to you, you haven't been the best you can be, then if you understand that the God who's saying that to you is the same God who loves you. Somebody say, God loves me. Come on, say that. Turn to that neighbor again and say, hey, neighbor. God loves me. Now, now, now look at him again and say, hey, neighbor. 
God loves me. Pat yourself on the chest. Come on. Say, God loves me. Now, now, if God loves you and you haven't come up to the standard that God expects you to come up to, that doesn't mean that God is getting ready to put you over God's knee and, Lord, have mercy. Oh, my Lord. You see, see, our problem is we don't understand that when God says you haven't come up to the standard, that means that God is getting ready to zap you. Oh, my. Or to somehow say to you, you're no good. God is trying to push you to a new level. Now, anyone who's in here ought to want to be the very best you can be. Not just the United States Army. Amen. Come on, y'all. Uh, uh, I mean, you ought to always want to be the best you can be. Chris, when you and the praise group get together, if they don't get it right, do you tell them they don't get it right? Come on. Oh, yes, you do. So I know some of them, I know sometimes they look at you kind of cross-eyed. Amen. But you, you always are pushing, aren't you? You're pushing to get them to be the best. Why? Because when we show up here on Sunday morning at Bellwether, we want to give God a perfect praise. Come on, give God a hand clap. Oh, yes, we do. We want to always give God the best that we have. We don't want to give God some leftover stuff. We want to give God the best because God gave us the best. So they went out there confessing their sins. But here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Hit that neighbor again. Say, neighbor, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. In order for you to confess that you have not been your best, you need a safe place to do that. You see, if you and I are confessing each other, you got to believe that when you confess to me, I'm not going to take it and tell everybody. That I'm not going to call the news folk and tell them about you. That I'm not going to put it on the billboard sign. I'm not going to give it to the people in the back and tell them, put it up on the screen. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? You need a safe place. And this is what Bellwether should be becoming a safe place so that the other can come in here knowing that though they have not come up to the mark, that Bellwether is a place where they can walk into this place and say, my life has been messed up, screwed up, tangled up, tied up, and messed up, and I did everything wrong. But the folk in Bellwether can say, well, welcome to this company of screwed up, messed up, messed up folk. When we, the church, get to the point where we believe we are perfect, we cannot receive an imperfect people who come from an imperfect world. It is only when we come in here and we learn that we are not imperfect and be received by a perfect God who loves us. It is out of our own experience with this God that we did step into the world and say to an imperfect world, this God loved me so much, he didn't ask me to get my act together. He loved me while I was yet a sinner. Oh, bless his holy name. Hallelujah. You need a safe place. You need a safe place where you can do that. A place where you can confess and you can say, I have not come up to the mark. I have not met the standard that God set for me. And then that's where your groups come in. Because then your groups put their arm around you. 
And they say, well, you had come up. And you go in there every time you go to the group. You say, well, I'm yet struggling. I hadn't gotten there. I've been working on getting that soprano. Yes, right. But I didn't do it. They said, that's all right, baby. At least you can sing. <laughs> they won't even let me near the choir. <laughs> then they lay hands on you. And in the name of Jesus, they say God wouldn't have you there if God didn't believe that the soprano voice you needed was inside of you. Do you see the difference in that? Confessing your sin so God can pick you up and take you where God has already intended for you to be. God already. Oh, who's that that read the scripture? I have plans. Lord, have mercy for you already. And the plans are to prosper you and for you to be in good health. It is built on the fact that God loves me. And because God loves me, the church ought to also love me. Just like I am. So that somebody can walk in off of Old Canton Road. They can just come in here. And bless you. Let me tell the story. I'm almost Lord, I don't know. Forget it. One Sunday night, we were, we were blessed in this little church that I started preaching in. There were about six or seven of us young preachers. And the pastor didn't have any, have any, uh, have any better sense. He said, Sunday nights are y'all nights. Now, I don't know if that was a blessing, amen, because then too many folks show up on Sunday night. But he said, Sunday night was y'all night to preach, and he let us preach on Sunday night. And it was six of us, we showed up, and two deacons showed up, amen. I guess the rest of the folk didn't want to be bothered with trying to teach us how to preach, amen. But, but I'll never forget one night I was preaching, and I got through preaching, and I jumped and screamed and hollered and ran all over the place. And here were two deacons who I felt were already in the Lord. Here were five other preachers who I believed were already in the Lord. The Lord said, give an invitation. I said, you got to be kidding me, Lord. I said, these folk already know. He said, give an invitation. Now, it was just as clear to me, but I was worried about what the folk might say. But I gave the invitation. And when I gave the invitation, we didn't have glass like you all have this beautiful glass between the narthex and, and the nave like that. But when I gave the invitation, the double doors opened. And a man came running down the aisle. Make a long story short, this man had been on his way to a bar with a gun. And he was going to kill his wife and her lover who was in the bar. And he overheard me hollering and screaming and snorting and carrying on. And he came through the door and he sat outside. And I didn't know he was in there. And he listened to the sermon. And when I gave the invitation, he said, I knew you had to be talking to me. And he came in and he gathered around the chancel area and we prayed for him. And he gave his life to Christ. He gave the gun to one of the deacons. I sure didn't want it, amen. And he said, I'm going home, packing my bags, and I'm going back to the country where I live, out in the, you know, out in the country. I'm going to leave that lady alone because I found the real love of my life tonight. My brothers and sisters, we have to create a safe place. 
your one-year anniversary, you make it your mind that Bellwether's going to be a safe place. Advent season is a time to celebrate that Jesus is coming into the world so that we can have a safe place to know that we are loved by God who would give his only begotten son. And in a few minutes, you and I will celebrate that by receiving Holy Communion. Holy Communion is a tremendous celebration of the love of God. So much so that God so loved you and me that God gave the only son God had to establish a covenant of love forgiveness and to setting us on the right path in a relationship with God and with one another and also with ourselves. Man, it's, 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 it's so sacred to be in right relationship with God, with others, and internally with yourself. And when you receive this gracious and grateful, gracious act, and how can you not become a safe person who creates a safe harbor. Jackson, Jackson, Jackson needs safe places, y'all. Oh, you know they do. You know this, this city needs safe places where people can come together and worship beyond all of the other stuff that's going on in this world. They can know they're loved. And they can work on meeting that mark and know that when they miss it there are going to be people who love them because even though they might make the mark today they will miss it tomorrow but God will continue to love us anyhow and because of it we give him praise let's pray God we do thank you today for John the Baptist coming teaching us teaching us teaching us teaching us that it's all right for us to confess. In fact, you woo us. You, you literally court us into coming to you and confessing that we have not met the mark. And thanks be to God that when we confess it, you don't cast us aside or away, but you put your arms around us. You coach us. And you love us. And even if we fail tomorrow, you'll keep coaching us. You'll keep loving us. You'll keep holding our hands. Because the most important thing is for us to know that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. Thank you for this safe place called Bellwether United Methodist Church. Made up of people who have found safe harbor. And may we create a safe place for everyone else. In Jesus' name we pray. May we all say amen.